right. So we're here today. Uh, we're going to run a pretty tight ship. But before we get to running ships and things, I do want to say hi to all the folks joining us in chat. Uh, John Haymaker, Tom Lyford, though by uh, Adrian Mason. We got Ern in here, Green Eyed Lady, uh, Mallory Gates. All the folks, uh, all of you folks who show up here every time we do one of these, thank you. We really appreciate uh, your comments and chat and your attendance. Uh, and of course, uh, special thanks to Bradley Livestreams who chimed in before we even got going here, reminding us that there are replay viewers. So if you're viewing this on the replay, thank you for checking it out. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll put these up uh, every other weekend, uh, schedules allowing uh, most of, most of, or we, we've got volunteers here and, and other schedule conflicts going on on Saturdays, but we try to get these up as regularly as possible. And so thanks for everybody, uh, tuning in. Uh, and today we've got a single subject. We're just going to go over one thing. We've got Danielle Jones, Casas, uh, current board president and former California resident to help us make sense of some things, uh, going on in that state. So, uh, without further ado, I guess we roll the bumper and get right into it. So, Danielle, what the hell happened in California? Yeah, and uh, to your point, I don't know if I can help you make sense of it, but I can explain what happened. Uh, so, for anybody that doesn't know, and I've seen a lot of questions on the internet for California, you know, residents and non-California, we're going to give a quick five-point synopsis on what exactly happened, um, so you get all the information you need right away. So, first off, um, what happened? So, in 2020, a bill called SB 793 was passed in California and signed into law by the governor. Uh, but that bill never went into effect because cigarette companies challenged the legislation in what's known as a veto referendum. So essentially what they did is they were able to get enough signatures from California voters to argue that the legislation was unpopular and it shouldn't become law. And so getting enough signatures meant that the law would not take effect until it was voted on by all, all California voters in the next election, which was the one that just took place in November a couple of weeks ago. So on California ballots, um, this referendum was known as Proposition 31. And unfortunately, it did pass. I think it was over 60% voted yes, um, meaning SB 793 will now become law. So that's a little bit of a history lesson for you. So what does the law ban? Um, SB 793 bans the in-person in-person sale of all tobacco products with some restrictions that we'll go over in a minute. Um, it, so all tobacco products in characterizing flavors other than tobacco. So the legal definition of tobacco products in California includes vapor products. Um, so that means no vapor products, cigarettes, smokeless tobacco, etc., can be sold in any flavor other than tobacco. So menthol cigarettes are included in this ban, which was a pretty big deal. And that's why the tobacco companies challenged the law in that veto referendum in the first place. The law also does not currently have an exception for products that have been authorized by the FTA, given a PMTA. So they are also banned if they're in flavors other than tobacco. Uh, the legislation also specifically bans what they refer to as tobacco product flavor enhancers. And that refers to short fill and flavor shots. So if you were hoping that that might be a loophole, um, they were smart enough, unfortunately, to include that. And so those are also banned. 
I did just want to pop in and add kind of this layer of detail that um, this also bans uh, at least three products that have received modified risk orders through FDA. So that will be uh, the uh, mint or wintergreen snooze from General Snooze, the uh, yeah, uh, General Snooze, uh, and then uh, the mint or menthol heat sticks for Icos, which isn't currently being sold in the United States, I believe. Right. Uh, and then, of course, the one product that all of the anti-smoking folks have have been going nuts over and and totally celebrating, uh, which is the combustible product, the very low nicotine cigarettes from 22nd century uh, in, in menthol. Um, so uh, once again, we're seeing state or local politicians uh, throwing their weight around thinking that they can outsmart or that they are smarter than, than the FDA, which I guess is kind of a low bar. But anyway, we'll get to the next slide and the next topic. So what doesn't the law ban? Um, it has an exemption for flavored premium cigars. And I believe that is defined as uh, cigars that have to be above a certain price point and that are handmade. So they cannot be machine made. They must be handmade. Um, it is also uh, exempt uh, for flavored loose leaf pipe tobacco, not roll your own cigarette tobacco, but pipe tobacco, um, as well as flavored hookah and shisha products. So those three categories are all exempt from this. Um, all other products are only allowed to be sold if they are tobacco flavored only. Um, the law states that the determination for what is flavored based on is uh, based on the marketing and packaging of the product. So flavor names, flavor profiles, or images on the product can't portray anything other than tobacco flavoring. Uh, the law also does not ban online sales. It applies to in-person brick and mortar sales only. When does it take effect? This has been a very confusing question uh, that has not been very clear anywhere specifically, um, but the law will take effect uh, five days after the California election is officially certified. Now, we don't know the exact date that that is going to happen because it depends on how long it takes the you know election people to process and certify the election, but uh, the election has to be certified. It has a deadline of December 16th. That is the latest it could possibly happen. And then I believe five days after that puts it at December 21st or something. So that would be probably the latest that this would take effect, but it could be sooner. So maybe a question that'll pop up in chat, but uh, it's on my mind uh, is, are are retailers being given a, a sell through period as as you know in the law or not that I am just, aware of no so just plan on enforcement starting on December twenty first at the latest I mean if you want to be safe yes now we all know how government and bureaucracy and things like this work so it's hard to say I mean my guess would be you probably wouldn't see you know, a concerted enforcement effort until um, the new year. But do not take my word for yeah. that and do not risk, you know, your livelihood or your business on that. That would be my guess. But if you want to be the most safe and the most legal, you will have all of your flavored products out of your store by early to mid-December. Yeah, I probably should have started that with also including that, that none of this is legal or business advice. Consult your own uh, your lawyers or your trade associations uh, and um, and do your own due diligence. So 
And just to reiterate, online sales are still allowed. This SB 793 does not cover online sales. If you want a tiny bit of history, the author of this bill was, uh, his last name is Hill. I think Senator Hill. Um, He already authored a different bill um, that was passed before SB 793. I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but that put forth regulations for online sales. Um, It had things in it like, you know, the outside of the box had to have certain markings on it. Uh, It was a bunch of guidelines, or not guidelines, but regulations um, to govern online sales, but it did not ban them. So those regulations are what governs online. This bill has, this flavor ban bill does not have anything to do with online sales. So uh, speaking of lawyers. Final question we are going to address, uh, which has been on everybody's mind. Is there a lawsuit challenging uh, the passage of Proposition 31? There is. Um, So the tobacco company RJ Reynolds and some of its affiliates and partners have filed a lawsuit against the state of California over SB 793. However, it should be noted that RJR filed similar lawsuits with similar arguments in both Los Angeles and San Diego, and both of those failed uh, pending a Supreme Court appeal. Uh, R.J. Reynolds requested an injunction against the law while they litigate in court, uh, which would further delay it from taking effect. However, I believe I heard on Wednesday that that request was denied by the judge. I believe they are appealing, um, but it is not looking great for this style of lawsuit, um, you know, historically. Um, It's also important to understand that the arguments in this lawsuit are about product standards uh, that only apply to products legally on the market meaning ones with a PMTA or that are legally on the market pending PMTA review. So the likely best case scenario outcome, if this lawsuit was successful, was that uh, would be that FDA authorized products are exempt from the ban. So I just want everybody to understand, you know, the likelihood of this lawsuit succeeding and what, and even if it did, what it would actually do. So uh, I think we, 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 Pretty well summed it up there, uh, and uh, I, I'm sure there are additional questions out there. Um, haven't seen anything rumbling through the chat except for confirmation that this was uh, still allowing online sales, uh, and of course, um, you know the sort of you know where the other thing in in California has gone, which is largely an underground market for otherwise legal cannabis. Um, you, you've got the same infrastructure in place that, uh, uh, of course, the at least the independent side of the vapor industry was built on. So, um, you know, potentially, you know, not a great situation for consumers. I, I stop shy of saying dangerous, um, but uh, you know, this is this is not an ideal outcome for either public health or consumers or children uh, in in California, um, and. So unfortunately, we kind of have to sit back and, and wait and see what happens. Uh, and then it falls upon all of us in the coming you know, year or a couple of years, once we start getting data back on how well uh, this, how well or how, how awfully this, this, this law uh, things are, uh, falls on the, to take that data, say, hey, back and fix things and reevaluate the policy. So. Um, that's, that's kind of my two cents and, and waiting for any comments from, from chat about, uh, things that maybe we didn't cover. Um, 
Danielle, uh, you know, I think that we, you know, we had a chat earlier about all of this. Was there, were there any other points that we don't have a slide for that maybe we should discuss? Um, I do see there's uh, so someone says I was going to ask about the rise of black market, gray imports. So, yeah, I mean, the illicit market is always a thing, right? Um, we know, you know, from many, many years of history that prohibition doesn't work. Um, so, I would imagine that the illicit market is going to be uh, alive and well in California uh, because the demand for these products does not necessarily go away. Also, because online sales are still, you know, what they are, they're still as legal as they have been for the past few years. Um, I don't, you know, people who uh, are experienced in, in vaping are experienced already users of these products and know how to get them online you know, there may be not as much of an effect uh, on them. Obviously, with new users, um, that is incredibly detrimental to learning about these products, learning how to use them, you know, things like that, because you're basically on your own on the internet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine that the illicit market is going to be alive and well to answer that question. Um, are they going to close down the vapor shops? Well, no, um, because technically a vapor shop can still stay open selling tobacco flavored e-liquid pods, etc. So, you know, they there's no way for them to legally just shut vapor businesses down because they can still there are still some legal products for them to sell. Now, I understand from a business standpoint, that is not, you know, uh, necessarily viable. Um, and again, technically with FDA, you know, regulation, nothing is technically legal except for the handful of products, uh, that have been authorized by FDA. So, you know, take that for what you will go ahead. I, I will add, um, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, F I think FDA's kind of track record with approaching shops has been if they're manufacturing. So if, you know, any of the places where you walk in and they've got the you know, the squirt bottles and they'll custom make a flavor for you. Those are the shops that have received warnings. As far as I know, um, the rest of this turns, this will fall on municipalities. Uh, if the state hasn't implemented or uh, enacted their own uh, penalties. So uh, expect to see any licensing laws at the municipal level in California updated uh, to, you know, if, if need be uh, to specifically, uh, implement penalties for selling a flavor other than tobacco. And that's where you can get into shops being shut down because the fines could be, you know, significant enough to, that they just can't afford it. I mean, ideally, this is there was an article about the cannabis legalization in, in New York uh, and there being a huge enforcement issue right now. Um, you know, essentially how the fines work is the, the, the state or municipality has to make it, you know, unprofitable to break the law. It's, it, it, it's a, it becomes a business decision at that point. Um, and so that's how shops may find themselves being shut down. Um, but I imagine like everywhere else in the country, they're probably just retooling their business plan. So uh, to answer the question currently on screen, um, like I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, in case you missed it, the law takes effect five days after the California election is officially certified. So that is going to be early to mid-December. And my understanding is there is no compliancy phase. It just goes into effect. Um, I, my guess is that they are very antsy to get this into effect because it should have been back, you know, it was passed in 2020 and they've had to, you know, the, the powers that be who wanted this legislation to go forth um, have had to wait two years uh, because of this, you know, referendum. So it will go directly into effect 
um, by December 21st at the very latest. Uh, it is not illegal to possess flavored tobacco products. So this is not a, it has nothing to do with possession. Again, because online sales are still legal, that wouldn't make any sense, right? You are allowed to have these products. You are just, stores are not allowed to sell them at brick and mortar locations. So I think there was another, uh, I might be skipping around here. Uh, someone though by is asking about the definition of a tobacco flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what, do you want to get to Richard's question? Okay. We'll, we'll go here. Sorry. Um, so they don't have a, a hard definition for a tobacco flavor per se. Um, but if there is, so cherry tobacco, for example, would not be allowed because that is a flavor that contains a characterizing flavor other than just tobacco, cherry, right? So you cannot have butterscotch tobacco. You can't have cherry tobacco. There cannot be any other flavor in the name, on the packaging, on icons, on flavor descriptions, anything that talks about any flavor other than tobacco. So here's the, this is from from the, the bill, the original uh, SB 793. Um, so you've got definitions for both characterizing flavor and flavored tobacco product. And as Danielle mentioned, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Any tobacco product that contains a constituent that imparts a characterizing flavor, which is at the top. And, you know, the, the reason why this gets kind of, you know, we get in the weeds on what is flavor and all mm -hmm. of this, because a lot of different flavors go into making what a cigarette tastes like, which, I mean, most of us can probably agree it tastes like ass, but if you want to get nuanced and, and, and fine dining about it, then yeah, people can pick out individual flavors, chocolate, vanilla, clove, all those, all of licorice and, and you know, traditional tobacco, traditional flavors that were used to flavor tobacco. Um, and if any of those flavors rise to the top and, and make, for example, a, a chocolate flavored cigarette, that's illegal. Um, uh, even if it does ultimately taste like, you know, tobacco. Um, so that, uh, I can drop the link to the bill uh, for those of you who want to go and read this. The bill link is in the chat. I also want to address, um, I think it was Richard's uh, question. We did, uh, again, if you're joining late, I will just go ahead and reiterate um, that short, uh, short fills and flavor shots are not uh, a viable solution to this issue. Those were basically essentially written into this legislation um, known as tobacco product flavor enhancers. And essentially that means um, that you cannot use short fills. Basically, I can't remember the exact wording. Alex could pull it up again if you wanted to, but it's essentially if you take something with a characterizing flavor and it is intended to be mixed with something with nicotine, the tobacco product, it's not allowed. So it doesn't matter if it's a short fill. It doesn't matter if it's a flavor shot. It's not allowed. Okay. Exactly. There you go. And it's, it's about intent, right? So, you know, if you're a shop and you're selling both of these things in your store, that's pretty clear intent. Uh, and again, the opposite doesn't matter. Any combination of those two things together is not allowed. So it doesn't matter if the big bottle has the flavoring and the nicotine is in a little bottle or the nicotine is in the big bottle and the flavor shot is in the little bottle. Any combination of those two is not allowed. And they wrote it vaguely, I believe, probably to, you know, cat to cover all of that. 
So again, Apathy Miller brings up a good thing. Probably there is no, you know, official person who's going to go around tasting or vaping all of these things. So again, the law is going off of um, statements and advertising from the manufacturer. So if a flavor is named cherry tobacco, they're going to come after you. If there is a picture of a cherry on the label, they are going to come after you. If the manufacturer puts out or the reseller, you know, the store puts a flavor description that says tastes like cherry, they're going to come after you. If you don't have any of that, if you just say here is a tobacco flavor, I doubt anyone is going to run around testing everything. So take that for what you will. But they are looking at official advertising, marketing and packaging from the manufacturer to determine that. And I would say this, I, I don't know that this happens. I, I know that we've seen it in legislation in the past where I, I think it would almost kind of leave it up to whatever local health department inspector is enforcing a flavor ban, um, that if they can detect a flavor, which would mean, you know, it, it, even just screwing off the top of the bottle and, and giving it the smell test, um, that would, and they and they say, oh, well, this smells like something sweet and 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 flavorful that's not tobacco. Um, they, in, in those instances, they may be able to say, you're selling a flavored product. Here's your fine. Um, and I don't know of anybody challenging an action like that. I don't know if it's ever actually happened, uh, because, you know, smell and taste are all subjective. And we all know that the, you know, the base of any e-liquid is natural, is just automatically sweet. Uh, and so even if you are vaping a tobacco flavor, it could smell like something completely different. Um, so I, again, I don't know of anybody employing that kind of strategy to, to, um, you know, enforce against a, a retailer. Um, and I, I think this is pretty strictly limited to marketing statements and packaging. So zero milligram is an interesting question. I have not double checked the California's definition of a tobacco product, but I'm, I would imagine that zero milligram is not considered a tobacco product. So my, my guess, and again, this is a guess, uh, would be that zero milligram is not included in this. However, like I've said before, if there is any form of an intent to combine that zero milligram with some nicotine that is covered under the tobacco product flavor enhancer. So, you know, keep that in mind if they can, you know, show any form of intent of using zero milligram to be combined with nicotine to make a quote unquote tobacco product. Uh, but I imagine that zero on its own is probably not covered. I'm, I'm checking through here to see what uh, definition is. Yeah, I did. I don't think that they uh, got into natural versus artificial flavorings. Um, I think it's, it's basically just about, you know, the advertising of of the product and the general you know i what what's the the test that they always say about porn like you know it when you see it basically oh, yeah. i think they're kind of you know going off of i don't think they got into i i don't recall reading anything about artificial versus natural so i'm i'm getting closer and closer to this definition of a tobacco product here um so we'll put this up on the screen do I have it? Yeah, I do. Okay, excellent. Um, oops. There we go. Um, so here's your definition of a tobacco product. Uh, this is in, uh, what do we got here? Section 
a lot of numbers. Yeah. Um, 100 and something thousand and so on. Paragraph eight, a tobacco product means any of the following, a product containing made or derived from tobacco or nicotine intended for human consumption, whether any of the things, uh, an electronic device that delivers nicotine or other vaporized liquids to the person inhaling from the device, including but not limited to an electronic cigarette, et cetera, any component part or accessory of a tobacco product, whether or not it is sold separately. So I, I guess hmm. or arguably, any other vaporized liquids. Yeah, arguably this would this would include zero nicotine and the fact that it's being delivered through an e-cigarette, um, which was sort of that thing that kind of tripped uh, folks up. I remember back when you know everybody was wondering what was going to happen with sampling. Mm -hmm. Did you sample zero ni zero nicotine, um, and the fact that it ran through an e-cigarette meant that it you know it, as a bottle no, but when you put it through an e-cigarette, then it becomes a tobacco product. Um, and so I, this is again, very, it's very a little helpful. vague though, because wouldn't, uh, part the second part of that potentially also capture cannabis or any vaporized liquids to the person inhaling. That's pretty broad. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, maybe it, uh, you know, if, uh, people in the cannabis industry in California, want to pick this up. It seems like this would be something that was hashed out already mm -hmm. um, by the cannabis people. But uh, another example of, you know, the end users and experts from from the industry not being consulted when when putting this stuff together uh, and, and crossing over into another industry. Possibly. I don't know. I feel if there's any lawyers in the chat, yeah, sure. Feel free to correct me. Um, uh, but yeah, that is that is vaporized liquids is pretty damn vague. So I would say zero milligram flavored. I don't know, man. I think that is a that is a potential gray area um, that could be. I mean, technically, it sounds like this statute could potentially capture it, but it's a little hard to know how they're enforcing. So if you were are a vape shop and wanted to be the most safe and the most you know legal, you would not carry flavored you know, any flavored products other than tobacco. I'm just going to go ahead and even in zero milligram, if you wanted to be the most cautious, because it is a little unclear how that would be interpreted in a literal sense in the real world. And, and, you know, the question on the screen now is unflavored liquid allowed. Yeah. Um, you know, it, again, uh, I mean, just immediately after I said it, this is another example of the legislature not consulting with consumers or retailers or industry experts uh, and, you know, a lot of these folks seem to be assuming that unflavored means tobacco flavor. Yeah. And so, you know, I, unflavored is pretty boring, but it's not tobacco. No. Um, and, you know, bar and, and some sort of product is that's that's what's going to help you not smoke unflavored might be the route you choose to go to and retailers I, I it would be great if retailers sold something like that no matter how boring it is right um, and so and but this is also of course for people in california who maybe can't order online for whatever reason mm -hmm. um not, it's 2022 not everybody has access to the internet not everybody has a bank account or paypal or venmo or whatever um and despite all the hype not everybody's trading in crypto so um you know there there are uh, the most the, the people who need these products the most um, are probably going to be the most challenged to order things online. Um, right. But yeah, this is another, another area where, you know, if somebody 
uh, feels motivated to, you know, kind of, as you would say in, in basketball, draw the foul, uh, draw the, draw the, the fine and take it to court, um, to, to change the law. Um, this might be one of those instances where we get more clarity on what is unflavored and what is tobacco flavored as far as vapes go. And just to recap, so an unflavored, you know, vape product that has no flavoring added to it. So PG, VG, nicotine under this bill, I believe would be legal because it's not in a characterizing flavor unless they can, they can prove that you are intending it to be mixed with something like a flavor shot. So that's where you need to be careful if you're a shop owner. And believe it or not, there are people out there who enjoy vaping unflavored stuff. I'm sure that exists. There is there is always one person out there in the world who likes things no one else likes. So I'm sure that would make me sad. I like my my candy vapes, but I am sure that that. So I think as long as you're not also selling flavor shots in your establishment, I would imagine that unflavored um, should be fine because it, it, it in no way violates this. It's not a tobacco flavor, but it's not any flavor. So. I think the joke back in the day was that a bunch of people were going to be opening up flavored sex lube shops. So. <laughs> I do remember that joke, actually. I do remember that joke. So, um, See, are there any other questions? I think we got, uh, unless I, I was reading a bunch, so I may have missed things. Um, oh, Green Eyed Lady says, uh, what's predict? Uh, what's predicted to happen to the people who smoke menthol but can't get their cigarettes? That's a valid question. Um, so, I, 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 and this is one of those rare occasions where I can beat you to the punch on what the science says. Go. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, right now, what we have are uh, studies conducted in Canada. Um, I think there was some in the UK, but Canada is the one that I think has yielded some really interesting outcomes. Uh, and so the answer to this question is that something like 60 percent or more of people will just continue smoking. Uh, they will. They, they, these are the people who will continue to buy cigarettes legally uh, and they'll just smoke regular cigarettes. Uh, there's another 20 percent who will continue to uh, uh, buy menthol uh, through illicit sources uh, and then the remaining, it's it's less than 20%. So I'm, I'm rounding up here. But um, they do ex- actually expect a significant number of people to quit smoking. Uh, and this is consistent with what's been happen- happening in Canada. Um, but, you know, overall, uh, you know, essentially what regulators have to do is, is you know, the balancing act is, you know, does the, the public health gains uh, that we get, however temporary they may be, with people quitting smoking completely in the face of a menthol or flavor ban, um, does that outweigh the uh, you know the the the, the new uh, the, the influx of people to an underground market? Um, and so we we don't really we don't have good math on that. Um, and if if history is a guide, I had you know I, I think this past year there was some some look at whether or not alcohol prohibition actually did lead to um, you know, worse or, or better public health outcomes. And uh, at least one report that I had read uh, showed that, you know, immediately following alcohol prohibition, use plummeted. And I, I believe with that also perhaps some of, you know, alcohol attributable diseases. Uh, but as time went on in the midst of alcohol prohibition, use prevalence came back up. And so 
it's actually kind of mirrors my experience with trying to quit by using nicotine gum. Uh, you know, I was a two pack a day smoker, and then I started using the nicotine gum. And when I went off the nicotine gum or went back to just smoking, uh, I was down to a pack a day. So it, it's, again, it's one of those balancing things that, that regulators and lawmakers are going to have to do uh, and see whether or not the benefits outweigh the cost. Um, you know, it's messy, no matter how we do it. Um, but, you know, ultimately, uh, most people will not benefit from banning menthol uh and arguably and in some places demonstrably um it, it's putting a, a a swath of the population at higher risk because they're going to be buying from illicit sources so i also know um i saw on twitter i think it might have been jacob greer or somebody posted that um the cigarette companies are already advertising some of their other types of cigarettes i think one of them was even you know mentioning Actually, in the ad, it was like, we know, you know, the flavor ban is a bummer, but here is that I don't know if they were going into their uh, like Camel Crush or I wouldn't. I was confused about how that would, um, you know, scoot through this legislation. But tobacco companies are already offering up to their consumers potential alternatives that they might like. Now, I don't know what that experience is. I don't know if they've found some sort of loophole. I don't know what, you know, I haven't smoked in a long time, so I don't know what any of those products would be like. But I know that they are putting up particular offerings for people um, as a consequence of this. So, you know, and then I also worry sometimes about the potential for people to, you know, attempt to DIY menthylate a, a regular tobacco cigarette. I don't know if that could ever be a thing that people would try to do. I could imagine, you know, they, I don't they know. have, I, I think, I, I don't know what regions have experience with this but there are flavor cards that you can stick in your pack of cigarettes um and i imagine that working quite well with menthol not so sure about other flavor maybe menthol or blueberry is pretty strong um i don't know anybody who smokes a blueberry flavored cigarette but um because people like it with the blunts and the pot so uh who knows but yeah so, um, and, and uh, no, to answer Blondefish Eleven's uh, question right quick here, is there a ban on flavored nicotine gum? No, no. nicotine gum is not a tobacco product. No. Uh, it goes through the medicines pathway. Uh, and so that's a completely different set of rules. And um, I mean, California is insane, but I don't know that they would ever ban nicotine gum. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Why not open a food flavoring shop next door? Listen. That's not our area of expertise. Creative and innovative entrepreneurial people can, you know, try all sorts of things. But uh, also, I I will say, you know, one of the concerns about this and and DIYing and and, and we've had some DIY folks on here in the past. Um, we have a, a an avid DIYer on our board. Well, two. I DIY. Danielle, yeah. You do the DIY. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, we've always been really sensitive about mentioning safety issues when it comes to that. But uh, I will say just to maybe nitpick here a bit, um, you know, I, people going to the grocery store and trying to get baking flavorings. Don't do that. Uh, not not a good idea. No. And so I would be a bit concerned with somebody, even though it's a little tongue in cheek and, you know, it's open the sex lube shop. That's that's the way to go. Uh, the food flavoring shop, I, I would be concerned that's sending kind of the wrong message to people who who might 
pick through that and say, oh, I don't need to go to this specialty shop where everything's got a markup. I can just go to the the baking aisle at the grocery store. Do um, not do whatever. that in case you don't know about DIY. Those flavorings that you find in the grocery store are not the same thing. DIY flavorings and grocery store flavorings are both used in food, but they are very different types of flavorings. So if you did not know this, do not use those. You need to purchase from a reputable uh, reseller that is selling things for vaping. If that, if you're going to do DIY, there are plenty of them out there. Um, do not go to your grocery store. Do not use like water flavor enhancer drops. Do not use those kinds of things. You need to purchase things that are for vaping. And just to, to further answer that question and also promote the, the Safer Nicotine Wiki, uh, there is a DIY section in the Safer Nicotine Wiki if you haven't checked it out. Um, all kinds of safety and, and lists and, and stuff. Thank you, Richard, for throwing that in the chat. Absolutely. So um, as I promised, we're running a tight ship here. The questions have kind of petered out. Uh, and um, we're going to keep this short and sweet. Oh, we got Kristen real quick. Can <laughs> flavorings be shipped via USPS? Yes, they can. Uh, the uh, Alex, unless you know something that I don't know, I have done this recently. So there is no issue with flavorings. The issue is with nicotine and nicotine containing products. So if you are going online and just buying flavorings, that is completely legal. USPS can send it. I have done it. My husband has done it there is no issue there. The issue potentially arises with nicotine. Yeah. So um, now that we've gotten through all the questions, yes. uh, this this is where, where we end things. And just a, a, a sort of a, a note for future shows, we are taking uh, people's feedback seriously and incorporating them into how do we do these things. And, uh, you know, ultimately we want this to be somewhat, somewhat of a, a timeless resource for our membership and anybody who stumbles uh, across CASA. Uh, and so today, very narrowly focused on the new law in California. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll continue this format going forward. Of, of course, we are always going to have uh, the special guest that warrants more time and more discussion. Uh, and so we'll do that. But for today, I think short and sweet. And so uh, we'll, we'll get through all of the things. First of all, thank you, everybody in chat, for joining us. If you're listening to us on the replay, also thank you very much. Uh, if you are new to CASA and want more information, check us out, casaa.org. We've got all kinds of materials, all kinds of resources, and a little bit of merch on our website. Um, Danielle Jones, of course, designed a lot of our T-shirts. Uh, they look swanky. You can advocate in style. Just click on the shop button at the top. Uh, and while you're there, uh, you know, you want to throw us a couple bucks if you appreciate our content uh, and, and us continuing to do things like this live stream and our Twitter spaces, uh, which have kind of been a little challenging to get things done on the Twitter spaces lately. Um, and Twitter in general may be kind of up in the air. So there's we'll a little bit goes. of a dumpster fire right now, but <laughs> hey, we're going to stick it out until in, until unless the very end, guys. You if we can still do a Twitter space, uh, we we'll will. probably do one after the holiday. Next week is Thanksgiving. So uh, expect some some quietness from us. But there may be places around America where your lawmakers don't actually care about what you think. And we may see things fl flare up. Uh, city councils and uh, 
city councils and county governments uh, have in the past been prone to introduce things or schedule hearings like the Monday after a major national holiday. Uh, and uh, so we'll keep our eyes peeled for that. Um, but other than that, if you don't already follow us on the Twitter, which may or may not be a dumpster fire by the end of the weekend, um, follow us on Twitter or at Kassaw Media. We're also on the gram at Kassaw Media. YouTube, we are Kassaw Media. And Facebook, at Kassaw Media. Be sure to look for your state group in Facebook. It's a great place to share information about, uh, I don't know, DIY tricks or um, what the uh, state and local laws are. Uh, thanks to the work for, of Kristen, I found about I found out about things happening in my hometown uh, before I managed to find it in any of the local media. Uh, and so those are things that our moderators are posting in the state groups. Join, contribute, pay attention, get involved. We appreciate all of your work, all of your participation. Uh, and so I think with all of those kind and loving words, we'll just end it there. Thanks, guys. Thank you.